So hello everybody once again, this is Graham Frost on the Heartstrape Decisions podcast and I'm absolutely thrilled today to have um, somebody that I call a friend even though we've only recently spoken to each other and we've never met, we've been connected on social media for quite a number of years, I wouldn't, must be at least five years, probably more, and um, somebody who I admire and uh, somebody who I like. And I'm very pleased to uh, introduce you to Jude Nicholas, who is going to introduce herself and tell us about how she got into this kind of HR personal and uh, organisational development stuff that she does. And please mm-hmm. don't be bored by that because organisational development stuff is very interesting. It's, just, <laughs> it's all about people. So welcome, Jude, and please tell us all about um, yourself and what you do. Oh, thank you, Graham. Thank you for such a warm introduction. And I and I, I throw it all back at you. I certainly do admire everything you've done. And I've, I've um, quietly absorbed lots of uh, lots of things from you as well. So you probably noticed some of the things I say might have come from you. There you go. Oh, bless you. Um, so let's say that the, uh, the when when one pla- when man plans, God laughs, doesn't it? That's a phrase that comes, isn't it? I've heard that said. Yeah. So when I was uh, young and green and fresh, I thought I was going to go into the theatre and do theatre design. Yeah. And I signed up my my university course, and as I was uh, about to join, they dropped the course. Um, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll work for a year, go back to, and go back and do that at some mm-hmm. stage. Of course, what happened? Never did that. And what I did was I, I joined a bank and I thought, well, OK, I can get on with doing this. I was keen. I was mm-hmm. wanted to learn. And they said to me, well, we're not really going to train you anymore um, because you're going to get married and have kids. And I was all of oh, 18 at the time, 19. Oh, wow. So, and that was in the 70s when they'd introduced the Sex Discrimination Act and the Race Discrimination Act. So that was my first touch, really, Mm -hmm. around knowing how some people have um, their biases and how they had acted on that. And and as a result, opportunities were missed for both sides. Yeah. Um, So I had various jobs um, between then, really interesting, encouraging jobs, but with no real direction. Mm Until I joined the GLC and some of some people might remember the GLC of, of, of old in London I and I yeah I timed it my timing I just joined when Ken Livingston and the Labour Party took control of um, the GLC wow they introduced amazing projects and one of them was all around valuing people mm-hmm. and they had an equalities unit and they trained people, um, they trained women, uh, they had support groups, um, they trained you to be trainers. And I went, wow, that's exactly where I think my skills lie. Mm-hmm. Ended up in HR and trained as a trainer. Um, and that's, that was where my life as a HR practitioner started. Right. And, a, and a learning and development specialist embryo was, was planted. And I um, really enjoyed it. I, you know, felt connected with people and the reward when people went, that's what it's all about, Mm. was, was, couldn't put a price on it. So I did that for a number of years and looked at people skills, which I think some people describe as nailing jelly. 
trying to get people to work better sometimes. Yes. Pink and fluffy, um, you know, all those hard oh, to... Oh, yes, I've been called that. Yeah, but it's incredibly challenging to mm. really define and to get people engaged with um, what works and why does it work? You know, um, so we, we had a talk earlier on about nature and nurture, didn't we? Yes. Some people, you know, are leaders born or are they grown? All of those things come into mind. Um, and I found that when I was working, the one thing that came up time and time again was how do people be themselves and are valued yeah. and recognised for the talents they have. And what was happening was a lot of um, discrimination or diversity, uninclusive practice was going yeah. on. So that's become my niche and my passion. So what I work with now is I coach people around some uncomfortable conversations uh, about getting them to next place. I work with organizations in terms of uh, looking at their policies and saying, you know, well, actually, how does that embrace the diversity challenge today? And I also work facilitating groups of people wanting to understand more about the unconscious bias mechanism, which in itself is quite challenging and, and controversial because people say, no, that was, you know, we need to just get on with things. And I'm one of those people that say, well, yeah, if you actually understand how it works, then you can take it apart and make it a much better functioning option. Yes. That's my passion. And what leads me today is, um, I don't know if you've heard this phrase from someone called Verna Myers. She said that diversity is about being invited to the party. Inclusion is about being invited to dance. And what I'm working around is equity means that you're part of the organizing committee in the first place. So you're not invited and you have a guest role, you actually have a part to play. There is a, an inclusion and a, um, that means that you, you, have a, you have a right to be there. Yeah. Um, now, obviously I'm a, a black woman, you know, rich Asian heritage, and it's always having conversation with people that say, yeah, but you know, you only came here because, or your family are only here because, and that, you know, do you have gravitas? That means that you have a purpose and a place in the society we call the UK today. So that's my, that's my, that's my push. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. You can tell, like, you have to stop, tell me to stop talking, Graham, because I can no, talk No, no, not at all. No, I'm, I'm actually fascinated. Yeah. I didn't know, I probably should know a bit about the GLC, but I was, a, you know, I was a, a big fan of um, Ken Livingstone's GLC back in mm. the day. I lived in London in, in mm. at the time when he was, mm. The leader of the GLC and um, I can remember when a certain person actually scrapped the GLC mm -hmm. just to get rid of him really. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, yeah. One of my one of my enduring memories of that of those years is he decided right he said I've got this money to spend before the yeah, before the GLC comes to a, a finish yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have some um, concerts in the car park yeah. of the GLC and I went to see exactly. The yeah, free concert to see the Smiths. I was really yeah. like the Smiths in those days, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. When, you know, I remember going, and it was like amazing that you know you could actually do this with your taxpayers' money. Mm. Um, and then the ultimate irony of all was when they actually got the the Greater London Authority came back. He was at, he was for me the most successful London mayor mm. um, as well. Mm. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, he had um, he had imagination and he had a real commitment to the people of London. Mm. That and the combination of those was really powerful. Really yeah, you powerful. yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have had the uh, you wouldn't have had the twenty twelve Olympics nope. in London without Ken Livingstone. Nope. 
No. And I, and you wouldn't course. have the yeah, you, know, you wouldn't have the bikes and the, all the things nope. that other people are taking credit for. Yeah. Did you actually I mean, did you get to work with him personally much? Or? Yeah, um, because I, at the time I ended up being a committee clerk right. uh, for all the committees of the GLC. Wow. Uh, and he was lovely. I mean, he, you'd see him on the corridors and you'd have stop and have a chat. Very down to earth, no sort of um, I am the leader of. And no. it was very much we're all in this together. And it's a familiar phrase, but we really were. So, um, you know, really staff focused, um, but also looking at how London and their needs of Londoners were met. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Learned a lot uh, in terms of politics, because I was not really politically aware. Mm. Um, you know, the, the challenges of policies and practices and how the ripple in the pond effect happened. Yeah. So the GLC introduced things like um, when they were purchasing they would ask their contractors, well, what, what are you doing about diversity then? They were that far ahead, were they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had even had a little um, uh, little staff shop because it was massive. County Hall was massive and used to have a little staff shop. Mm. And they stopped selling things like, um, you know, the Robertson's Jam. Do you remember Robertson's yes, Jam? Yes, I do. Yeah. Well, and you know why we... Yes, I can imagine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Kit Kats, they challenged Roundtrees to say, tell us about your diversity. Tell us about how you how you respect your employees. Kit, Kit Kats went off the shelf. Really? Yeah. Because weren't Roundtrees a, um, a Quaker company? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they refused to, to share any information about how they monitored their staff and their staff well-being and how they looked after the diversity elements. So they went, that's it. Thank you very much. No more Kit Kats. Really? So was it... That people were just not talking about that sort of thing then. No, they? So no, they, were, they were really far, far thinking, far reaching. Um, and I think a lot of organisations learnt from some mistakes. We did make yeah. mistakes, but also how to improve and make it work well. Um, so mm. in those days, we, we didn't talk about monitoring very, you know, very much. Didn't talk about who actually worked for us. You know, what no. difference but. If you don't meant if you don't measure something, then how can you say if it's improved, or how can you say you've actually got the best thing going? There was no benchmarking before then. No, I, I can remember the um, I can remember around about the same time I lived in I lived in Brixton, which was mm. in um, Lambeth Council, mm -hmm. and at the time the leader of Lambeth Council was a woman called Linda Bellos. Yeah, yeah, you remember, and she, yeah, yeah. she was actually a black Jewish lesbian. Yes, and she was she was completely ridiculed because of yes. her, you know, because of that, you know, because um, but she was like way ahead of her time. You know, I'm, I'm not saying yeah. necessarily she was a great leader yeah. of, of the council, but she was, you know, to, for somebody, you know, with all the biases that were going on in those days, for somebody like yeah. her to get to that position was a huge achievement. Yeah, but, well, um, I think that's what we have to tap into. We have to tap into that passion, that energy. Um, rather than going, oh, well, I'll do it tomorrow, because if not today, when is, is the result yeah, I go for? And, and I'm not talking about railroading people. I'm not talking about bulldozing, you know, people's inherent values. But it's about having the opportunity to say, well, what, where did you get that idea from? And, and how yeah. does that work now? Because our, our living conditions today are so different to 10, 20, 30 years ago. Mm. But yet the, the thoughts of 10, 20, 30 years ago are still filtering through in how we act today. Oh yeah, and probably longer ago than that. Yeah. 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 
No, it's it's interesting. I was, you know, even in, in my upbringing, which was very unconventional in terms of the fact that I was brought up in a very very strict church, and there were very very few black people in that church. But mm. There were a few, mm-hmm. and um, I was actually encouraged. You know, I, I I found myself spending time with them. Mm. And learning from them, you know, and going to their house and stuff like that. When I was in my sort of early, uh, well, early to mid-teens, mm. and um, mm. so you know, my I don't think you know my parents certainly weren't. They might have had lots, lots of um, biases, but they certainly weren't. They weren't no. biased against no. uh, people because of the colour of their skin. Well, I, uh, I, I was sent to um, my secondary education was in a convent. Really? My parents were Catholic and they wanted their ch- children to have a Catholic education. Yeah. Um, and I was the only person of colour. Um, I think there was maybe one other person in my year, mm. a person of colour. And if you weren't Polish, if you weren't Irish, you didn't have a social life. So I ended up going to, you know, the Irish clubs, <laughs> you know. Um, I used to go to Irish clubs. Absolutely, you know. And that we had interesting debates um, in our classroom, especially around religious education, because when the question about what did Jesus look like came up, it was, is he really blonde and blue-eyed? Really? <laughs> you know? So, well, exactly. um, so lots of conversations around that. Um, and I'm fascinated and, and truly embrace a faith, not necessarily a Catholic faith, but look at, you know, how we interact each other and how we, every faith says, be kind, you know? Yes. There's not, there's not one faith that ever says, you know, we are better than you, but it always starts with be kind to each other. And that's, that's, I think, something that I try to walk that talk in what I do. Yeah, I think I I do too. I mean, I I, I do find it very difficult to be kind to some people, I must admit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a yeah, challenge. People who are yeah. bigoted and racist, I, you know, I, I really yeah. find it difficult to understand um, why somebody would be like that. Yeah. Um, I do have, you know, I used to have a used to have a friend who I'd known for twenty plus years mm. who um, took issue with the fact that I was dating somebody of different colour skin to me, mm. um, and I said, "Well, I'm sorry, you know, if, you, if yeah. you're going to have to leave my house." Yeah. You know, I'm not yeah. prepared to have that. I'm not prepared yeah. to have you in my house. Yeah. Um, if you're going to talk, if you're going to talk. And the, the ironic thing about it was that his son ended mm. up marrying a black girl and they've got three, they've got three lovely children now. So yeah. he's probably had to come to terms with it. But, um, yeah. uh, but yes, yeah, so I mean, I don't, you know, I think I once, I once read a book by um, Michael Moore, you know, the American mm. writer and yeah. filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, the only way to actually overcome this is for people to actually get together and be, you know, be more sort of, be more in, in, yeah. inclusive together. Yeah. And, and talk, you yeah. know, get people together in groups and talk about, and I did a lot of this mm. myself in, um, a few years ago, funny enough, a, a, a Pakistani friend of mine said mm-hmm. to me, would you like to come and help out at a, um, uh, soup kitchen in mm. London. You know, this mm. was about uh, seven or eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, the same person introduced me to my partner. Oh, wow. Just, okay. Just by sheer coincidence. Yeah. And I actually went to London um, for about five years quite regularly, mm-hmm. not, you know, about once a month, mm-hmm. and um, volunteered at the soup kitchen, which was mainly run by Muslim people, and it was in the mm. basement of a mosque. Mm. And I learned so much about the whole Muslim culture mm. by doing mm. that. Mm. And actually, Muslim people are very, very, very giving people. 
And, you know, it didn't matter. Anybody could come in there. Yeah. And there, was a, there was a whole, there was probably, you know, 60, 70, 80, up to 100 people used to turn up there every Sunday for lunch. And it didn't mm. matter who you were, you could come in. Mm. Um, and I know you've done so I mean, one of the things I've always admired about you, you've done so much work with Calais, haven't you? The camps in Calais. Yes, I mean, that, that, well, that was just, a, that was just a, like, um, because I did the, I did the, the Rumi's Kitchen in London, uh, mm. doing that, and um, I thought to myself, you know, what else can I do? Because I really mm. like doing that sort of thing, you know, mm. it's kind of rewarding. Mm -hmm. I was saying to somebody yesterday that, um, my, yeah, some of the most rewarding work I've ever done is not is work that I haven't been paid for. Paid for, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, that's that's just if I could yeah. afford if I could afford to do just work, you know, just work that I didn't get paid for, I would do that. Mm. Um, but the work that I get paid for also has to be of value. I don't want yeah. to just yeah. do stuff for the sake of um, for the sake of earning money. Mm. Um, so I'm quite a sort of complicated individual, I suppose. But and. Um, but no, it's, it's just so, you know, I remember getting back and I thought, what else can I do? And then somebody that, one of my Facebook friends, actually, a track called David Belkin, who I must get, I must get him on here. And he said, um, I see you do a lot of volunteering, but do you fancy doing uh, some volunteering for Crisis? So I did Crisis at Christmas mm -hmm. in London. Mm -hmm. I did that three Christmases running. And... Um, I remember getting home from the, probably, I think it was the, the, yeah, the 2016, I think it was. So it would have been 2015, Christmas 2015, in mm -hmm. 2016. And I got home, I thought, I don't want to wait another year to do something like that. Because it's so, so powerful. Mm. You're actually helping people that have got mm. nothing. Mm. Um, and uh, so I went, I thought, I've, I've often heard about sort of refugee camps. I wonder if I could go, go and volunteer in a refugee camp for, you know, for a a few couple of weeks or something and mm. um then I spoke, I spoke to said, well there's refugee camps in Calais so, so there is yeah there's only across the channel so I googled mm. it and the next thing mm -hmm. I know I'm signing up to go over there for a week mm. and um the first week I went was in February of uh, 2016 I think it was mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um it was hot I mean the weather was absolutely terrible it was, it was freezing mm -hmm. cold mm. and uh, yeah people are actually living out almost to all intents and purposes outdoors, you know, they've got yeah, yeah. tents, big yeah, tents. tents. Yeah. And, um, you know, I went there and it just completely opened my eyes. I thought, yeah. you know, I spent yeah. a week working in the warehouse, sorting, uh, sorting clothes and, and for, mm. you know, because, um, you know, basically there's between 40 and 60 people arriving there um, every day yeah. at that yeah. point in time. And most of them had travelled across the half the world, a quarter of the world, and they had what they stood up in. Yeah. And you think, you know, why would anyone choose that if there was something better for well, exactly. them and their children? You only have to look at the you only have to look at the television pictures of Syria, for example. Although they weren't all Syrian by any means. No, no. I went and asked. Yeah, we used to have a listening, like we used to get together and chat. We'd go over and get together and mm. chat with them. Mm. Um, and you could go and do that sort mm. of two or three times a week. And I met people from Nigeria, people from um, Pakistan, people from mm. Afghanistan, people from Syria. Mm. And um, they were all educated. In fact, most of them were better educated than me. Mm. You know, they were engineers, they were yeah. doctors, yeah. they were all sorts yeah. of you know, and, and people, you know, and, you know, you've got people now who they want to put nets in the English no. I'm sorry. It's obscene. It's obscene. Not, we're not doing that in my name. No. 
Well, I'm very aware that yeah, there are going to be people listening to this. So I don't, you know, I haven't gone into politics on this. No. But, well, apart from um, me saying I like Ken Livingston. <laughs> if you don't like Ken Livingston. I'm sorry. You know, you don't. You're, you've listened to too much nonsense. You know. Yeah. Um, because he, but absolutely right, and I think I think that's that's where it's about engaging. Um, you know, some people think it's there's not enough to go around. And, and, that, and, and that's and that's what's so sad because there is plenty to go around. It's just not distributed very well, fairly. Yeah, some people have got far too much. And they don't yeah. want, to, and they are those yeah. people who have got far too much. They are defined by what they have and not mm. who they are. Mm. For me, and that is mm. the problem. They, if they if the sub, if they suddenly gave a lot of their wealth away, they think they wouldn't be who they what they are anymore. So they mm. they hang on to it and hang on to it for what? Yeah. Well, going back to John, John Lennon, I know he's a controversial figure, he's, you know, and you can't take it with you when you go is what the bottom line was, wasn't imagined, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, there's no, there's nothing, what, what, you know, that. So it's about doing good now, making a difference yeah, now. Trying to be a decent person. That's all, I, that's all I've ever done, really. Yeah. Consciously yeah. or unconsciously, try to be a decent person. Yeah. I'm not, I've not yeah. always been successful at it. I mean, something, you know. No, I, we, you know, we've um, I mean, people, work in progress, isn't it? Always. Yeah. There are people that I just don't get. You know, I yeah. try to understand people. I just, yeah. I just don't yeah. get this. So I'm going to yeah. move on. You know. But you're absolutely right. I think, I think, you know, your, your. I didn't hear his name properly. Who you've been speaking? It is about how we connect and add our voices that makes the difference. Yes. Because otherwise, you know, if we didn't connect here, we wouldn't be, you know, saying how much we've got in common and how much we hope for the future. And, and you know, and that's how I believe we should be doing. You know, if we're closed and cocooned, we don't, we don't get to learn about the, the wonderful connections we could have. And I know the, I know COVID has been a, a real challenge for people being at home, but it, it's also been a time of reflection. I've noticed so many people really reassessing how they behave before COVID. Yeah. Thinking, where's the value in my life? Yes. If, yes. You know, so um, that's, been, that's been really an enlightening process, I think, talking to people about um, what they've noticed about their life and what... It, doesn't serve them anymore. Yes, and how do you define value? You know, it's value, yeah. value, value to me isn't about monetary value. Yeah, no, no, no. You know, value to me is about what you know, what I'm actually putting in, what value Absolutely. I'm giving yeah. to people. So, yeah. you know, I have on this podcast. Yeah. You know, I think to my, yeah. myself, you know, if someone listens to this, what are they going to get out of it? Yeah. I know they're yeah. going to get a lot out of this conversation. Um, I hope, I hope they get value out of all the conversations you know yeah, well i certainly do i can say that you know and i created the facebook group the, the heart shaped decisions facebook yeah. group um yeah. because i just thought it'd be a good idea i didn't know what i was going to do with it it's actually well, too- it, well it does what it says on the tin doesn't it it's you know a, that old advert you know it really yeah. is about what is it that's motivating you where is your heart and your passion yes are you disconnected with it are you operating from a place of authenticity Absolutely. It's exactly what, what that Facebook page is all about, that group. Well, you uh, just defined it really well. It's so, defined it so best, so much better than I could. Sorry, right, I won't charge you for that. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, I, you, know, you, you get drawn to it. You have to. And I think that's what people are starting to realise, that there has to be um, a centeredness yeah. for people to connect to. Because otherwise, it's all frill, isn't it? Really? Yeah. So when I went, you know, when I set that Facebook group up, I thought, 
Um, I went through my Facebook friends, you know, and I invited about 60 or 70 people to join. And mm. um, because of, there, were certain, there were certain people that I didn't invite because I thought they won't get it. Mm. Um, mm. And funnily enough, just about everybody I think that I invited joined. And there's a few more people that come along since because mm. I've met them in different places. Um, mm. Really interesting. One lady that is actually going to be on our meeting tonight. Oh, right. Um, who's all the way from Australia. Oh, wow. And she said she's going to try and make it this at half past five in the morning. For I was going to say, what time is she going to be staying up till or, said, or well, getting up really early? Whatever you do, don't, don't schedule it. So, you know, because... She's been on the podcast already. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. She's a lovely lady from yeah. Canberra in Australia. And um, yeah, she yeah, she said, um, don't uh, don't worry about me. But then she mm. said, I, I said, because with that sort of thing, you have to say, but it's going to be at this time on this day. And mm. unfortunately, I, I, I will record it. I don't think mm. it will be. And, oh, you have to, you have to, I think. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Ask, I'll ask people if they mind record, if I record it. And yeah, I'll yeah. put the link on the on the group so people can, uh, we've got to try and keep it to an hour, otherwise I'm going to get, yeah. get some sleep. You've got to be strict. Downtime. Yeah. Downtime. Yeah. Anyway, so it's been absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank you for oh, asking me. And uh, just, yeah, just really, it's funny, I mean, when you meet a sort of kindred spirit and I just, you know, I'm just so glad we have actually spoken mm. now and sort yeah. of yeah. a little bit because then, um, you know, we, We've been talking about speaking and for a lot for probably at least two or three years. I've been thinking I must I must have a conversation with you. Mm. Now, now we've had two conversations in a matter of a couple of weeks. So yeah, and yeah. another one tonight. With other yeah, people. absolutely looking forward to that. I had to remind yeah, you about that. There are some, yeah, there are some positives that have come out of COVID-19. They're hard to find sometimes, but mm. one of the things that um, yeah. is that I've actually got connected with people. Yeah. That um maybe I wouldn't have got connected with our before. Yeah, I think you're right, because I'm, you know, I'm so hopeful for our future. And I think that COVID has given us this opportunity, this perfect storm, mm -hmm. that, you know, we can make a difference. You know, yes. we can, we, when we connect, we are strong and we can make a difference. Um, you know, and it's not all about them out there doing it to us. It's about what we're doing to ourselves, Absolutely. to each other. And that's where we take ownership about it. Absolutely. So I'm really, you know, it's quite daunting, but I'm really, really convinced it's going to have to happen now. Yeah. Happen now. Yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, we can't control what other people in government and what have you do, but we are actually in control mm. of what we do ourselves. Yeah. And we can pay, be a pain in the proverbial... Yeah. For people who in government, you know, I think that's my role is to just sort of go, no, that's not right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't be silent. No, no, you can't just be silent and let it all yeah. happen. Yeah. Let it all sort of wash over, you know. I think yeah. Yeah, you have to stand yeah. up and do, yeah. do something. Interestingly, yeah. One, yeah. one of the people that preceded me uh, by a couple of weeks um, it went to um, Calais. Uh -huh. um, without any fanfare whatsoever, yeah. she spent a day sorting clothes out in the warehouse there. Yeah, with Jeremy Corbyn. Wow, I salute that man. Yeah, there's got a lot of other people now going to drop off and say, "I'm not listening to that nonsense." But yeah, I, I know, I know. I but care. hey, you know, I don't care. I I have a different opinion, and I'm still willing to talk to people who who have a different opinion oh, to that I'm, one as well. So I'm, very, I'm very willing to talk to people that have a different opinion to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. Can you you know, can you explain to me how yeah. you know it, how how he is such a bad person? No. no. Some, give me some give me some robust evidence. No. I've met him. Yeah. On a couple yeah. of occasions, I've listened yeah, to. Good. I was at Glast I was at Glastonbury when he spoke at Glastonbury oh. in 2017. I was there. Saw yeah. that. Um, yeah. You, you know, know he you know he speaks he does speak to people. So um, I think that, I mean, in, in, in that way, not sort of speaking to you, Greg, but he genuinely connects with people. And I think it's such a shame that we're where we are because people just didn't, people can't seem to trust when someone's good. No. Weird, but anyway. Well, they'll, 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 they'll that's, move, that's they'll, probably another podcast, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, will move heaven, people will move heaven and earth to try and find bad things about people. Yeah. Yeah. That is the world we live in. That, yeah. But we don't have to live in that world. Absolutely. No. No, I will, well, I will keep soldiering on. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your time today. I'm going to stop with a thank you for your time. No, it's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much, Jude. And uh, 